I was talking to a young man recently who was coming out of the drug culture. He was coming out of an addiction. And I said to him, tell me, let me ask you a question. Who are you running with? And he looked at me like, but, but I'm right with God. I got right with the Lord. I'm, you know, I'm doing good. Me and Jesus, we're, we're tight. And I said, that's great, this way. But who are you running with this way? And he looked at me like, how come? And I just went ahead and br- broke the silence. And I said, here's why. Because you'll never make it unless you run with the right people. It matters who you hang with. I mean, folks, it matters who you hang with. As a matter of fact, I can, I can tell you some real important things about your future five years from now based on who you tell me you're hanging with today. Relationships are so important. Oh, man, they're crucial. And today I want to talk to you about the power of relationships because I can look at my own life and I can tell you, the times that were tragic, I was running with the wrong people. The times that were great, I was running with the right people. God cares about who we run with. As a matter of fact, he cares so much. I'm going to read some verses to you, two verses. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians. And then I'm going to mess with your stuff. But let me tell you, in messing with your stuff, you need to know my stuff's already been messed with, getting ready for the message. Amen? So let's read. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Everybody say, nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Everybody say, none. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial or the devil? None. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Nothing. Amen. Some of you are already grabbing your toes thinking, I should have stayed home. No, you're in the right place. This is good. I'm going to start out showing you the negative impact of wrong relationships, and I'm going to close showing you the right impact of right relationships. Amen? So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, all of us are relational. You made us relational. You made us with the desire to be with others, share our lives with others, get to know others, have things in common with others and grow with others, and share our hearts with others. You gave us that. You made us relational. But Lord, the enemy can also come in and and use that way that you wired us against us. And Lord, you desire to use it in a way that blesses us. So Lord, I pray that today as we look at relationships, the power of relationships, that you'll give us wisdom. Would you lift up your hands to the Lord, church, and say, Lord, give me wisdom with the people I hang with. Give me wisdom in who I choose as friends in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good today, and you can be seated. Now, why is Paul so strong on the subject of relationships? Why why does he make such a big deal out of it? Because that's very strong, what we just read. Why is he so strong on it? Here's why, because he knows there's no stronger influence on you and me than the people we run with, the people that we have as our friends. There's no stronger, aside from knowing Jesus, there's no stronger influence in our lives than those we hang with, our friends, those that we pull in close. No one is going to decide the direction of your tomorrows more than those you hang with today. 
No one is going to carry you closer to the Lord or carry you further from the Lord than those that you go with Friday nights, Saturday nights, hang around with during the week, talk with most of the time. This is why the Bible warns the righteous should choose. Everybody say choose. That tells me friendships don't just come beat you over the head, knock you over the head, where you're helpless, but it's a choice. The righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead them astray. The ways of the wicked, the lifestyle of the wicked will lead them astray. Now, both God and the devil know this. God knows this for sure. God is definitely a God who puts relationships in our life, but the enemy knows it as well. The enemy knows the way God wired people. He made us relational. He understands that. And so here's a true statement. When God wants to bless you, he puts a key person in your life. Now, I want you to think about that statement because it's absolutely true. When God wants to bless you, he puts a key person in your life. Likewise, when Satan wants to destroy you, he puts a key person in your life. It works both ways. Jesus talked about the tares growing up with the wheat right next to each other. And the Bible is very, very clear, shows us very clearly that both God and the enemy use relationships with God's people. So let me say it again. When God wants to bless you, he puts a key person in your life. Many of you are not even aware of that, but God can sow a person into your life. God does sow people into our lives. God does bless us with godly friendships. But also, when Satan wants to destroy you, he too can sow a key person into your life. Now, when I'm talking about a key person, let me tell you what I mean. I don't mean surface acquaintance relationships. We all have those, uh, that people that, you know, they're they're neighbors. We we know them on a surface level. We get along with them because they're our neighbors or or people at work, business relationships we we, we have with people. based on business and and we don't run with them. We don't hang with them. They don't know our business. We don't let them into our private life. It's just a purely surface acquaintance relationship. And that's not what I'm talking about when I say key relationships. And that's not what Paul was talking about when he talked about people you're yoked to. Don't be unequally yoked together. Yoking is like you got two animals, two oxen. And these, these two oxen are yoked together. Now that means th- th- they're held together by that yoke. So where one of them goes, the other's got to go. What one of them eats, the other's got to eat. When one of them stops, the other one's got to stop. When the other one runs, the other one's got to run. What one of them feeds on, the other one's got to feed on because that's where they're being led as being yoked together. He said, be careful who you're yoked with because you can yoke an oxen with a donkey. And a donkey will pull against the oxen, will bite the oxen, will resist the oxen. The donkey will eat things the oxen would never dream of. And that oxen can become sick because he's yoked to a donkey and the donkey is leading him to places he ought not go to eat things he should not eat. So I'm talking about the, the, the key people are the ones we're yoked to. So when God wants to bless you, he yokes you to a key person in your life. And when Satan wants to destroy you, he yokes you to a key person in your life. And it's fairly easy to tell 
what kind of relationship is going on this way? Let me show you. I'm going to give you one question to ask yourself about the relationships in your life because all of us have them. Here's the question. When I'm with that person or people, uh, am I a better Christian for it? When I'm with that person, when I, go, when, I, when I leave that person I'm running with and I go home, did they enhance my Christian walk or did they tear it down? Did I feel that I needed to compromise my convictions in order to be accepted by them? Or was my walk with Jesus totally embraced and celebrated and we sharpened each other in God? When I'm with him or her or them, are, am I a better Christian for, are they enhancing my walk with God or are they tearing me down? If they don't make you a stronger Christian, then that relationship is not from God and it's not for you. Now, I'm going to shoot real straight today because, you know, folks, we're all about, you know, you can be right this way, but get wrong this way. And if you're wrong this way, you'll end up wrong this way. These two are completely connected. Who you run with on earth is going to affect your relationship in heaven. For good or for bad, it works both ways. Now, this is a really, really difficult topic, and I'll tell you why. Because it's not just a head issue, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. We, we become attached to people. We become attached to people. I do, you do. The deeper a friendship goes, the more our affections and loyalties go with it. It's the way God wired us. God wired us to walk with him. And in walking with him, he wired us to walk with them. He created people. He said, it's not good that Adam would be alone. So God didn't make us to be alone. And so we're relational. We're relational. And the more we relate to a human being on earth, the more our affections go there and the more our loyalties go there and the more our commitment goes there. So that's why it's so important to kind of scan that thing at the very beginning and like if you're starting to date somebody, uh, listen, I would, I would give them the Jesus interview real quick. You need to give them the Jesus interview right up front. Here's the Jesus interview. Before I go out with you, I want to know, are, are you in church? And, and, well, you know, I haven't been there for a while. You know, I guess really not. Uh, you know, I've kind of been looking for the right church. Oh, really? You've been looking for the right church. Tell me some of the ones you visited lately. Oh, well, uh, uh, the First Baptist, First Methodist, First Pentecost, First anything. I want to know, do you love Jesus? Can you tell me about the day you were saved? Explain to me, describe to me the day you were saved. How did it go down? How did you get saved? And if they're saved, they'll come right out with it and say, oh, it was the greatest day of my life. I'm telling you, when I, Jesus came into my heart, and, and, and they'll, they'll immediately elaborate on that. But, but, but if you ask them that question, and they look at you like a deer stares at headlights, you need to really pray about going on a date with that person. Let me tell you why. Because if you go on a date with them, and then you go on another one, and you go on another one, and they don't honor your God, your attachments and your loyalties and your commitments are going to start going there. And not just dating, but friendships. 
You start running with people. You, you, you meet some people. And, and let's say you've been lonely in church. And you haven't been able to make a connection in church. So you're out there in the workplace. And you kind of strike it up with somebody. And you've got good chemistry. And you're talking. And you're saying, man, I really enjoy being with this person. And, 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 and then before you know it, you're going where they go. And you're doing what they do. And you're having to compromise your faith in order to have a relationship. Here's the deal. Don't meet legitimate needs illegitimately because God can't bless that. If you don't have a Christian friend, pray one in. Better to be lonely with Jesus than hooked up to somebody who's going to drag you down. The more our affections and loyalties become involved, the more difficult it is to obey God. I'm going to say that again. The more our affections and loyalties become involved, the more difficult it is to obey God. Should he say, it's time for you to make a change in who you're hanging with? Have you ever noticed that Jesus really messes with your stuff? That's why some people say, oh, I got my ticket to ride when the rapture happens, but on earth, leave me alone, Jesus. But listen, real salvation is you get saved and then Jesus messes with all your stuff and he straightens your life up. And one of the first things he wants to do is get us connected to right relationships because he knows if we're not connected to right relationships, we will never, everybody say never, never become everything God has called us to be. Never. You can't do it. You can't live right when you're running with somebody wrong. You got to run with somebody who's right. If you're going to live right, you got to walk with people who are also living right. The Bible's filled with vivid examples of how relationships were destroyed or bad relationships destroyed someone's walk with God. Now, now, I love you. I would, I would, listen, I'm sharing this truth because I love you, but I don't love you anything like Jesus loves you. And, and it's all in the word, this thing about relationships. So I'm sharing this with you as, as a protection because, listen, the enemy sows wrong people into our lives, but the good news is God sows the right people into our lives. We want those right people. Solomon was the wisest man in all the world. There was nobody like Solomon. He was the wisest man on the whole planet. If you had measured his IQ, it would have been somewhere in the 200s. There's not a, a, a field of study available to mankind that Solomon was not a total professional at, totally versed in. He could talk to you about botany, zoology. I mean, he, he knew about all ichthyology. He could talk to you about anything, philosophical, theological, he could talk to you about anything. The Bible says King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon. All the kings of the earth sought his presence. Why? To hear his wisdom. He was so wise. They could throw any question at him at all, anything, about any topic. And he was versed and wise and capable in answering that question. They came from all over the world to hear his wisdom, and his wisdom came from God. God had put it in his heart. God made him wise, made him exceptionally wise. Yet in all of his wisdom, Solomon made dumb choices with relationships. 
You know, you can have an IQ of 200 and live making dumb decisions. You got to mix IQ with wisdom. IQ without wisdom is just a bigger tragedy. We need wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. We need wisdom. But he made foolish choices. He made foolish relational choices. And relationships ruined him. The Bible says, but King Solomon loved many foreign women. Uh Uh-oh. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. That means all these women were idolaters. None of these women loved the God that Solomon knew. None of them. And, And God had warned him. Look, God said to them, Solomon loved many foreign women from the nations of whom the Lord has said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor are they with you. Let me tell you why. If you do, if you get in wrong relationships, surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. They will turn, what will turn away your heart? Wrong relationships. They will turn away your hearts after their gods. And then it says Solomon clung to these in love. Solomon said, I'm so wise, I don't need to do what God said. I'm above the laws of God. I'm exceptional. I'm an exception to the rule. And he was not an exception to the rule. He clung to them. That means they were yoked. That means he was in tight relationship with these women. He had something like a 1,000 wives, 700 concubines. I'm surprised he was sane. It's, it's enough to handle just one of each, right? I, I can handle Cindy. She can handle me. A 1,000 women, oh, my Lord, I'm in the loony bin. And, and if you women had a 1,000 men, huh? Think about that. And it says, this is so sad, it was so when Solomon was old, in his latter years when he should have been shining, his latter years when he should have been enjoying the fruits of all of his labor, in his latter years when he ought to have been teaching the young men, his wives turned his heart after other gods. Wisest man in all the world lost his walk with God, lost his integrity, lost his testimony, lost everything. The Bible says he he went so far down that he personally was involved in building altars in the high places where children were sacrificed alive in fire to false gods he had embraced. No wonder At the end of his life, he was saying, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. He couldn't see any value in anything because now he's under the sun. He's in under the sun thinking, oh, everything is under the sun. Anything under the sun was bad. I I see this under the sun, that under the sun. What he means is this is what life looks like without God. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. How did he get there? The one that gave us Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Relationships. Wrong relationship. That's the power of relationship. That's why I call this message the power of relationships. You say, Jeff, that just blows my mind. How could a man of God so wise end up so, so, so low? Psalms 106 tells us. I'm going to show you how. I'm not going to spend long on it, but this is an amazing dissection. It's an amazing x-ray of how somebody goes from A to Z. See, the devil knows when it comes to the people of God who have wisdom like Solomon, 
You, you know Jesus, you know the Bible, you're in a Bible preaching church. He knows he's not going to get you from A to Z overnight. No, he's going to do it in steps. He's not going to do it with a big jump. He's going to do it with a slow drift. Now, God had told what we just read. God had told Israel, don't have anything to do. Don't, don't get into a yoked relationships with the people of the land I'm sending you to take, the promised land. But they didn't listen to God. And the Bible says in 106 Psalm, verse 35, we begin their descent down. It says, first, they mingled with the Gentiles. Everybody say mingled. They mingled with the Gentiles. Now, interestingly, there's four stairs here. So here's the first step down. They mingled with the Gentiles. That means they just began to hang with them. They began to kind of go to Starbucks with them. They began to talk with them. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. Hey, what you been doing this weekend? Oh, you know, let, let's sit down and talk and, and share. And they began, to, they began to just mingle, just mingle. And it sounds innocent, doesn't it? Just to mingle. Oh, I'm not going to get tight with them. I'm just going to mingle. I'm going to walk around the edges, but I'm not going to go all the way in. I'm just going to mingle. I'm just going to mingle. Get to know them a little bit. And the Bible says... That was the beginning of their slide down. That was the first step because the next step is in the same verse. It says, as they mingled with them, they learned their works. Listen, you will never mingle with someone over time whose lifestyle you don't learn, whose habits you don't learn. You will never mingle. Am I talking to anybody here today? Are y'all with me? Give me an amen. I want you to catch this now. Because this is so important because it's so easy to mingle there at school, mingle there at work. Now, I'm not talking about being stuck up and not talking to people. Mingling means fellowshipping. They They were beginning to get to know them and hang with them some. And so once they mingled, it says they learned their works. Now, that doesn't mean they learned their trades. What it means is they learned to worship their false gods. They learned about their false gods. They learned about who they were worshiping, who they were bowing to, who they believed in. They, they learned about who they had decided was a legitimate God. They learned, in other words, they learned about a God other than their God. So their faith in the true God began to be questioned and they began to compromise And they began to be corrupted in their singular faith in the true God. And as this was happening, they began a slow, steady drift. Mingling led to learning. And the next verse says, as they learned, they began serving. Notice how far down it's going. First they're mingling, then they're just learning. But now, based on what they have learned about these people's gods, now they have decided to serve the same gods. So now false gods have their heart. The Bible says it became a snare to them. Now they're snared. Now the very thing God warned them about has happened. They're snared. And they have become trapped by it. They have become ensnared by the very idolatry that God led them into the land to destroy. Whoa. God led them into the land to destroy the idols, to, to, to stomp out the idolatry. And now they're serving the idols God had anointed them to destroy. 
doesn't stop there. So here we go. They mingled, first step. Then they learned, second step. Now they're serving these gods, third step. But then they go all the way down. The fourth step, it says, they sacrificed to these gods their children in the fire. They went from A to Z in steps. And this is how the devil slowly seduces God's people. It says in the Bible, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood. Now they're at rock bottom. You know you've been ensnared in a satanic trap when you start sacrificing what is most precious in order to serve what is most vile. And and these were God's people, God's anointed people, God's called people. God's chosen people, God's called out people, his delivered people from Egypt. These are the people that have been delivered from Egypt. They're being carried into the promised land, and that's how the enemy got them. Mingling, learning, serving, sacrificing. They were sacrificing their future, their children. Say, Jeff, that's heavy stuff. I know. That's why I'm reading it to you. Because the Bible put it in here for a reason. This is why the Bible says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character every time. Now, the good news is the opposite is true. I want you to say that with me. The opposite is true. Are you ready for some good news? See, the the same way that a bad relationship can take you down, a good relationship can take you up. Amen. Amen. Now, there's no better relationship, friendship, that I can think of in the Bible. The most striking friendship to me is the friendship between Jonathan and David. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. We know that King Saul went completely crazy in jealousy over David because King Saul had been replaced in God's mind with David because King Saul disobeyed God. So Saul knew God's hand is on David to be my replacement, and he got filled with jealousy. But while he was filled with jealousy and was out to destroy David, Saul's son Jonathan was knitted to David and became David's very best friend. He was his BFF, his best friend forever. That's internet talk. I'm having to learn this internet talk. BFF, best friend forever. Now, I want to point out real quickly three quick things that stand out to me about their friendship. And I want you to mark this down, take notes, because this is the way any friendship worth having will begin and will be based on. First of all, their friendship, David and Jonathan, was formed around a godly victory. It was formed around a mutual love for God. David and Jonathan met following David's defeat of Goliath. When David swung that sling and that giant fell, not only was Saul watching and Israel watching, but Jonathan was watching. And Jonathan said, there's a guy after my heart. Because Jonathan loved God. He was courageous like David. He loved seeing the enemy defeated. And so right then and there, the Bible says the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. 
So how do godly relationships begin? They always begin are formed around a mutual love for God and around godly victories. In other words, the right kind of friendship will rejoice with you when Jesus wins and Satan loses. Amen. Have you ever noticed that some friendships form around sinful activity? And and then there are friendships that form around mutual selfish pursuits. But most friendships are formed around shared values with people who are like us. So the saying is true, birds of a feather really do. I used to minister to youth a lot. And I used to be amazed. You could have 100 young people in a room and two rebels, and those two rebels could be on opposite sides of the room. And by the end of that meeting, they find each other. Oh, those rebels find each other. Because, listen, we've got an inner radar that detects and finds people who are like us who share our values. And so when you're a godly person seeking Jesus, wanting to please the Lord, that inner radar will immediately home in on people who have your values, and that's what happened with Jonathan. He looked at David and said, there's my guy, there's my friend. There's my future friend. Amen. So for the Christian, any friendship worth having is formed around a mutual love of Jesus. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? That's true. That is so true. The second characteristic of the God of friendship between David and Jonathan is this. They protected each other. They had each other's back in a good way. As I've told you, Saul was insanely jealous of David. So the enemy in this story just happened to be King Saul. And King Saul just happened to be Jonathan's daddy. But Jonathan knew that his dad was walking in evil. And he knew that David was walking after God. And so when it looked like Saul might very well succeed in finding David and killing him, Jonathan stepped forward as his protector. And here's what he said. I love this. He said, by no means you shall not die. Boy, I like that. I like having somebody that's got my back. When they see me coming under attack, they step up and say to the devil, by no means... By no means, you can come this far, but no further, because if you attack him or her, you have attacked me. And so therefore, I'm in the battle with them. You're not going to kill them, take them out, take them down, ruin their calling, because they've got a protector, and and it's me. I'm for them. And Jonathan, over and over again, protected David from Saul's spear. And in the same way, a godly friend will step in as your protector when he sees the enemy attacking you. Oh, man. Worldly friends, let me tell you about your worldly friends. If you've got some worldly friends and you know they don't honor your Savior, can I tell you something in love? They don't care about your calling. They don't care about your faith. They don't care about your spiritual victory. They just care about running with you as long as you want to do the things they want to do. You don't need friends like that because you can ruin your relationship with Christ and they will never care. If you want to know the truth about worldly friends, read the story of the prodigal son because as soon as his money ran out in the far country, the friends went out with the money. When the money was gone, so were the friends. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Amen? Not just Jesus, but a godly friend. 
A godly friend will step in when everybody else steps out. A godly friend will love you in failure, love you in fear, love you no matter what you've done, where you are, in your losses, in your gains, in your successes, in your up moments, down moments. They'll love you and pray for you and stand with you because they care about you. When, When you've got a godly friendship, when you're attacked, they're attacked. When you're doing well, they're doing well. When you're doing badly, they're doing badly. They're there with you. Amen. How many of you would love godly friends? Amen. Amen. Now, one last thing I see here is in Jonathan and David's relationship, they encouraged each other in God's purpose. See, David had been anointed by Samuel. Samuel went over to David's house one day and Looked at all of his brothers. None of them were the future king of Israel. God said no to every one of them. And then David was called in out of the field. And when David came in, God said to Samuel, that's the man. He anointed him. And the minute he anointed him, he was God's future king. That was God's destiny for David. It was God's purpose for David. And, and, and here's the deal. Jonathan knew it, and Jonathan honored it, even though the heir apparent to the throne was Jonathan because he was Saul's son. But here's the deal, and here's what a godly friend will do. Jonathan was more committed to God's will for David than he was to his own desires. He said, yeah, I, I'm the heir apparent, but I know God's hand is not on me for it. God's hand is on David. That's a friend. And the Bible says they had a last, they didn't know it was their last meeting, but they had a last meeting. And when they, and when they, and when they met together, the Bible says that David was hiding in the woods from Saul and he was deeply discouraged. He was beginning to doubt if his future as the king of Israel was ever going to come to pass. And the Bible records, then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. Look at that. He encouraged him. He strengthened him. He affirmed his calling and stood with him. You know, a real friend will find you in the woods. David was in the woods. And Jonathan heard he was in the woods, but didn't know where he was in the woods, and he went and found him. A real friend, when you're in the woods of failure, the woods of discouragement, the woods of fear, the woods of doubt, a godly friend will come and find you, and they won't come to find you to condemn you, judge you, run you down. No, they will come to strengthen your hand in God and to say to you, do not fear, and to say to you, the purposes of God are going to come to pass in your life. Let me encourage you with it. You're not going down. You're going through. You're coming out of these woods. You're going to go into the throne. You're going to do what God has called you to do. Come on, everybody. Give him praise. That's what a real friend will do. As iron sharpens iron, so a godly friend sharpens the countenance and the walk of his friend. Can we stand together today? I can tell you, looking back over my life, I can tell you that 
Some of the greatest tragedies I ever walked into were because I was hooked up to wrong people. And some of the greatest victories I've ever had, the development of my ministry, the development of my calling, was because I was hooked up with the right people. It's true. One of my dear friends, I can go all the way back when I was 18, 10 years ago. No, one of my dearest friends, when, I, when the Spirit of God had come upon me and I experienced just the, a mighty touch from the Lord and the fire of God to preach was beginning to stir in me, but I was as green as green could be. This man was put in my life and his wife put in my life. And he would say to me, Jeff, you're good. When you teach the word, you're good. Well, see, I didn't think I was good. Matter of fact, I thought I was bad. And God put a man in my life, a couple in my life. And they said, no, you're good. You need to go for it. As a matter of fact, you need to come with us to the juvenile home and minister in the juvenile home. Tell your testimony. And every time I would preach, even if I knew I did bad, he would say, you did good. He'd lie to me. But... He's on, a, he's on a ventilator as we speak right now. And he's not long for this world. And I, I believe this. I believe this. I believe when he goes to heaven, he's going to get a reward for the people God helped me reach. Because I'm standing on the shoulders of people who God put in my life. And they were instrumental in me moving forward in my calling. Can we lift our hands to the Savior today? Lord, thank you. Thank you. That when you want to bless us, you put a key person in our life. And Lord, I'm just praying over this congregation. All of us are called, all of us have a destiny. All of us have a purpose. And part of that purpose is, Lord, that you would put key people in our lives to help us get there, to sharpen us, to encourage us. And I'm praying, Lord, over this congregation right now that, Lord, if there's people that the enemy has sown into their life, you will graciously and mercifully remove them. And, Lord, sow good people, key people into their lives that will move them onward, forward, and upward in the call and purpose of God. I prayed over every one of them today. Now, that's your prayer. Give the Lord a wave offering and say, Lord, bless me with key people in my life. Key people in my life. Key people in my life.